Learn to Mother, the incredible, emotional, and life-changing transformation we take when we go on our journey into motherhood. From all things conception to postpartum and parenthood, I will be talking with parents and hearing their stories of navigating these times while sharing helpful information along the way. Together, we'll be covering all stories, no matter how you have chosen to conceive, birth, or parent. Let's get into it. Hello and welcome to episode three of Maiden to Mother. Today I'm speaking with Lauren. Lauren is a life and mindset coach, a published author, blogger, speaker, and she's just recently become a first-time mama. Welcome, Lauren. It's so nice to have you on the show. How are you going? I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to have you here. What's little Stevie up to? Is she sleeping or is she with dad? She is in bed. Dad's on daddy duty. So we got her down like half an hour ago and I am recording in the bedroom because this is what mum life now looks like. (laughs) And I just saw on your Instagram the story that she slept for eight hours last night. I know. It was our first night. I'm like, oh my gosh. She slept from like, we put her down at seven and she didn't wake up until 3.30. I was like, oh my gosh. That is gold. How old is she? Six weeks old now? Six weeks. I think I hope it sticks. I hope it sticks. I know every day is different, so not to get too excited. Yeah, God. Well, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and who's in your household? I can. So there's me. Hi, I'm Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am 29. I live here on the Gold Coast and I have my husband, Dan. We have a beautiful fur baby. Pumba, who's a French bulldog, <laughs> who will always be my first baby. And then we have our six-week-old little girl, Stevie. Well, we've got so, so much to unpack in your story. Um, so let's just dive straight into it. Can you take us back to uh, your conception? Was Stevie planned? Tell us all about it. Yes. So I've always been maternal, and it sounds so cliche, but I've always wanted to be a mum. But um, I'm also very mindful. I think I had a really open and close relationship with my mum and I knew the sacrifices that most mums have to make. It's usually us who sacrifice our career. It's us who sacrifice our incomes. It's us that sacrifice our bodies. Um, and I just I just knew what motherhood, what my mum gave up to be a mum, as much as she never regretted it. I just wanted, I was very mindful of what I wanted to achieve and what I wanted my life to look like before I fell pregnant. Mm. Um, so, yeah, she was always, I always wanted to be a mum, but I was just very mindful of when we started. So I had certain, I wanted to travel the world, which we did, and I had certain career goals that we ticked off and finance. I just wanted to be in a position where I was financially set up with residual income before we fell pregnant. So, all, I think we were one of the last people in our personal friendship circle to have kids. And as everyone else was having kids, I was like, come on, Dan, come on, come on. Like, <laughs> can we feel pregnant now? Like, can we feel pregnant now? And I remember distinctly when we got Pumba, it sounds so silly, but I wanted Pumba more than Dan wanted Pumba. And I remember the sleepless nights that came with having a new puppy. And I also remember how much Dan resented or it was always like, it's your dog, you do it. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to have a kid until Dan's 100% on board because I don't want it to ever be like, well, it was your idea. Yeah. Sounds so silly, but I remember that lesson really distinctively. So as much as I wanted to have a kid, I wanted to really wait till Dan was excited by it too. And then that time kind of came last year where I was like, I really want to, like, I'm ready, are you ready? And I didn't I didn't want to have to feel like I had to talk him into it. And he was like, yeah, like, let's do it. 
Um, so it was really exciting just to be both on the same page with that. And I think COVID helped because we weren't traveling. I think the reason why travel is a biggie for us is my husband's family all live in the UK. Um, so the fact that we we're kind of staying put for two years, we're like, all right, it's, it's a good time to try. And I hate the word try because I feel like women feel like if you don't achieve it, then you fail. Which we, uh, I like to change it to I'm open to receiving. Yeah. <laughs> so we, that's we, yeah, a really good way to put it. Yeah, so we um, stopped using contraception. And when I say that, we were just using condoms. I work in the holistic health space, so I learned probably a few years ago how bad um, like the pill and stuff is for your hormones. So we've been um, just tracking my fertility through like the app flow yeah, um, and just using condoms if we were going to have sex, obviously, in a fertile window and weren't ready to open weren't opening to receiving so um we decided to stop using condoms and just kind of make love for a few months and just kind of it happened if it happened if it didn't it didn't mm-hmm. and then we did that for a few months and then I realized there was a few times we we're having sex in a fertile window and I hadn't fallen pregnant so I didn't want to be disheartened but then I said to Dan oh can we try actively like doing it within the my fertile window and so it was like three months I think of using just the app alone and we weren't falling pregnant so I was like well this is really weird because my period was pretty predictable 28 days four or five days of um, light bleeding no pain so I was, I was kind of surprised it didn't happen straight away I mm-hmm. think actually you then suggested trying the fertility sticks um and I was the like, okay. um ovulation sticks yeah the ovulation yeah. sticks so when to we make did... sure it was all on uh yeah of, yeah yeah and then when we did that we realized I wasn't as much as my period's predictable I actually don't ovulate in the time of my period, I ovulate like after like the apps that I was ovulating. So I was actually really glad you suggested that because the first month we actually did that and I those sticks told me when I was ovulating we felt pregnant that month. So it took us four months of actively trying. Yeah. Um, and we fell pregnant the fourth month with the ovulation sticks kind of helping us predict that window. Oh, amazing. And how did you know you you were pregnant? Did you wait for like your period to be missed or were you actively testing or? I was actively testing. I was really excited, but um, we actually had a false positive the month before. I don't know if it was a false positive. Maybe it was a miscarriage. I don't know because we got a positive and I thought we were pregnant. And then two days later, I did another test and it was a negative and I got my period and I was late for my period. So I don't know what happened there. So the following month when I got a positive, I showed Dan, but we weren't, he said not, he didn't want to get too excited. Yet. He's like, let's just test a few times over the next few days and just make sure like we're actually pregnant. Mm. Um, Cause I did like the early ones. My period hasn't been late yet. I did like one of the early pregnancy ones just to see. Cause obviously I was really excited. Um, and yeah, I, we did three over a period of a week and a half. I think it was a week. And they were all positive. And I was like, Dan, like, I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, we're pregnant. Yeah. <laughs> and then it was literally only a few days later, all the symptoms started kicking in. I'm like, yep, we're definitely pregnant. <laughs> oh, God. And that leads us to your pregnancy journey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. How, much, how long do you want this podcast to be? <laughs> oh, we're going to go over here. I've, n- I've never seen a wild pregnancy in my life. <laughs> so, obviously, you had a lot of shit go down when you were pregnant. Can you um, take us from early pregnancy and take us through everything that went on through your pregnancy? (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try not traumatize any women here, but at least you no, know that if I, I mean, can do it, if I can do you, it, you can do it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I've always, like I said, I've always been excited to be a mum. Always, um, to be honest, I've always been really scared of birth. I'm really bad with pain. I'm bad with blood. I'm bad with bodily fluids. I think it's all gross. I faint needles. really easy. Yeah, needles, all of it. So <laughs> ever since I was young, I was like, I can't wait to be a mum. But I never thought the pregnancy bit would be the hard bit. I honestly was just like, birth is going to suck. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to get pregnant and have to deal with it later. That was my mentality around it. Mm. Um, yeah, I never once thought the pregnancy would be hard. And actually, so before we fell pregnant, I was mindful that we were we were going to start trying soon. So I wanted to make sure I was in the best state I could be in Dan too, but both being healthy um, so we both did the challenge 75 hard. We just like got really, made sure really fit, mentally clear. We like cut out alcohol, cut out coffee, cut out sugar. We we're just in a really good space without both our health as we started to open to conceiving. And actually, so that's when I noticed I knew I was pregnant or that's actually just before I found out I was pregnant. I was doing a really, I think I was doing a 20K run and I felt on, and this was the last time I ran too, by the way, um, <laughs> halfway through my run, I felt like this, it felt like I swallowed a fly or something. Like I felt like my throat was, something was wrong with my throat. And as soon as I got home, I said to Dan, something's wrong. Like I, my throat is really sore. And within like three hours, I was hit with the worst flu I think I've ever gotten. I never get sick. Mm. And, um, obviously you start learning about um pregnancy like when you're um when you first fall pregnant your body's your body's immune system is compromised because it's trying not to fight off this foreign egg like it's trying to keep the egg there so what actually happened is my immune system was down because I was pregnant and I actually got the sickest I've ever been with a flu so I think that was like week I was yeah that was my first week pregnant I ended up the first 10 I think it was like a week or 10 days in bed no voice really sore throat just really crook um and so you can't have antibiotics when you're pregnant either so it's kind of fought that naturally so it was like my first two weeks of pregnancy and then felt like shit <laughs> then mm -hmm. I had one week so it was like week four week five week six I think I had one week where I think this is what most people feel like when they're pregnant it was just like like you're really hungry like no you feel kind of nauseous but then you feel good when you eat mm -hmm. and then you just kind of feel like yeah just like a bit meh and I was like, oh, this is like, this is what pregnancy must feel like. And then it was week seven, I started vomiting. And I remember the first vomit was kind of exciting. So, oh, this is what they call morning sickness. Like, I'm, I'm pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, my gosh, it, like, was relentless. It just hit me so quickly and just in so intense. Like, I was vomiting pretty much all day, every day. And if it wasn't, it wasn't really the vomiting that really hurt me. It was a nausea. nausea. It was just relentless, like... Um, I think I was two whole weeks where, yeah, I was in bed and it was a second week. So I remember it was week eight broke me. I remember I was in bed crying, just mentally it took me out. Cause for me, I love walking. I love food. It sounds so silly, but literally walking, running, eating food makes me happy. Mm. And I couldn't leave the house cause I would vomit. I couldn't get outside cause I'd vomit. I couldn't eat cause I'd vomit. The smell of everything made me want to vomit. Um, like Dan, I just my life was just put on hold. I remember just mentally 
thinking like, I can't do this. Like I want to be a mum so bad, but like if this is what it takes, I don't think maybe I'm not meant to be a mum. Like it just mentally played havoc. And obviously because of COVID at the time too, like my family lived 14 hours away. Um, Dan's family live overseas. I think it was the time where I most needed family around me. And so mentally it wasn't okay and physically I wasn't okay. So um, I ended up going to the doctors and they um, tried to put me on um, a few different things to help with the nausea and vomiting. And I think it took me like a few different medications till we found one that made me stop being sick because I was resistant to taking medication thinking, oh, like, I can just do it without, but I literally couldn't stomach anything. Um, I couldn't even drink water. It's actually fluid was the hardest part. And that's when they diagnosed me with, I think, I don't know how to say it, hypergemesis. Yeah, I can't Hyper, say it either. I just say HG. Gravi- yeah, HG, hyper, hypermesis gravidarum, something like that. <laughs> Sounds like a Harry Potter spell. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it pretty much just means like extreme vomiting. Um yeah, and that was pretty much my life. Like it felt like my life was put on hold. Like I'm really lucky I have my own business where I could work from home because if I had a normal job, I definitely would have had to take leave without pay. Like yep. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. It was my life from pretty much from week six to week 22. Um, I don't even know. There's not much else to say. It was just all, like, even with the medication, I stopped vomiting and I could keep food down. Um, I'd still I'd still vomit like once a day. It wasn't all day, but the nausea didn't go away. So I just I'd probably there was like a period there I think from week fourteen to twenty where um, the mornings were okay. So I started going back to the gym. Um, that was like my I got like an hour of like nausea free, and I'd like work out, and that was what I did for my mental health because I just that's that's what makes me happy and then literally the noise would kick back in about 10 o'clock and I was in bed from 10 till 6 and Mm. the only food I could eat me and Dan laughed because we're like we should have bought shares in um (laughs) what's it called the Mexican Gomez yeah yeah. (laughs) like we should have bought we reckon we kept that business afloat because that's all I (laughs) ate for that for pretty much the first two trimesters it was just beans and rice he'd message me on the way home from work being like what can you eat and I was like yeah just get me a burrito like (laughs) Um, we, we stopped doing groceries because I couldn't everything, all the smells of everything made me sick. Poor Dan would come home from like a big day at work and the house would look like a bomb's hit it because I'd try to eat something and the smell of it would turn me off to be all this half-eaten open stuff all over the kitchen bench <laughs> and I couldn't put it away. And like our little Frenchie at the time, we were living in an apartment and there would be shit and piss everywhere because I couldn't clean it up because the smell of it would make me dry reach. So like <laughs> it was just a mess. Um, and then on top of all of that, I think... I yeah had one of my first, uh, my first ultrasound where they found out that my placenta was covering my cervix, so it's called placenta previa, um, which also which means you can't give have a natural birth because you're at risk of um, essentially your placenta coming out first, which is the baby's lifeline, and then you can bleed out and the baby can die as well. So um, having that meant that my birth plan might have to change and it also meant that you are a high risk birth. So all the things that were keeping me happy at that point, which was exercise and honestly open book. Um, my, um, 
libido was through the roof in the first two trimesters. Like I yeah. was loving sex. <laughs> and with placenta previa, you can't have sex and you can't do exercise. So I was like, you're killing. This is the only two things that are bringing me joy right now. Food, like, sex, <laughs> exercise, it's all gone. It, it's all gone. Like literally, <laughs> I can't drink water, can't have sex, can't work out, can't eat. And it was like just a double whammy. I'm like, what the hell? Like what else do you want to take from me? Like this is shit. Like life just was non-existent. I couldn't socialize. Like I was just depressed. Um, and yeah, so that was kind of my life. Um, yeah, was- so what, so, <laughs> so during your pregnancy, obviously you had a lot going on. Did you have, um, what model of care did you have at that stage? Did you have like a doctor or a midwife or something helping you through, um, yeah. journey? Yeah. So thanks to you, as soon as I fell <laughs> pregnant, I love that you went first and you did all the things. So I learned so much from you. <laughs> Um, you actually told me about the midwifery program, the Gold Coast Hospital, the MGP. So um, I knew that I had to self-refer and it was a waiting list. As soon as I fell pregnant, I rang up and um, self-referred for that um, and I got put on a waiting list. And I, to be honest, I've never had a doctor. Like as a child, I had a family doctor, but I moved to the Gold Coast at 18. So I've lived up here for 10 years and I've never been, I, like, I don't get sick. So I don't, I didn't have a doctor. Yeah. Um, so you referred me to a doctor that you were personally using. So I was like, I want a doctor that can have like that continuation of care. So I wanted like a nice doctor that could that felt nice. So we got we started seeing your doctor and um yeah, I got a call probably I think I was 14, 15 weeks pregnant from the MGP program saying they could take me on. Um, mm. so that was really good. So yeah, pretty much from there, I just all I had was my doctor and the MGP at that point. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, so because because you had your um, placenta previa mm. and through the MGP program, you generally have to want to go for a natural type birth. Was there yeah. any complications about being in that program because your birth was looking like it was heading towards a C-section? No, because I was already there. I got accepted with MGP before I found out I had placenta previa, I'm pretty sure. So they just keep, they keep you in the program. Yeah, yeah, and it was it was kind of good too because they helped me um, regulate my emotions. Cause I was pretty upset when they said that I wouldn't be able to have a natural birth, and I was like, I'd done so much mindset work around that, and I'd fully come to terms. Obviously, how scared I was, and to be like, oh, you probably can't have that. And so it was good to have the midwife being like, you know what, though, you can still have like, yes, this is one complication. Like, it's this is why you have Western medicine babies used to die mums used to die with placenta previa like Mm. we can we can still like look after you and support you in a natural kind of way and they also told me which um I wish I knew like I didn't stress about it most women's placentas will actually naturally move so the fact they shouldn't they shouldn't diagnose it so early Mm. I think I think it moves by 20 they say by like the third trimester um so, and that's actually what ended up happening towards the end of my pregnancy. Um, so where do I get to that? About 20, I stopped vomiting, I think at 21 weeks, 22 mm-hmm. weeks. Um, so I was like, yay, coming to third trimester is actually when I first, I actually started to feel like myself again, enjoying my pregnancy. Um, but <laughs> I only had like two weeks of feeling good. And then it was Christmas and COVID was making its rounds and I caught COVID at Christmas. Um, and then it was, it wasn't so much COVID. COVID just felt like a really bad flu. And to be honest, the flu that I had at the start of my pregnancy was worse. And also just 
me being sick for most of my pregnancy was worse than the flu. So COVID didn't, as much as it made me quarantine and be sick for a week, it wasn't really COVID that hit me. But towards the end of COVID, um, I started vomiting again. The nausea came back and I lost my appetite. And um, my pee turned to really like it. It's like sorry if it's too much information, but my pee it's went. It's not. Nothing's went, too much information. <laughs> it went like a Coca Cola colored like, it was, and I was like, oh, I'm probably just really dehydrated because I couldn't drink fluids again. Because every time I drink fluids, I was vomiting. I'm like, oh, it's probably COVID. Like, blah blah blah. blah. So I had all these different symptoms, but I kind of just brushed them all off, not knowing if it's my hypergemesis. If I didn't know, not didn't know if it was my HG. I didn't know if it was just my COVID, like COVID. I didn't know, like, it was just so much going on at the time. I think I was due for my 28-week scan and they wouldn't see me because obviously I had COVID. So no hospitals would see you. You had to test negative before you could go anywhere. And you obviously had to quarantine for a certain amount of time. So I was a little bit worried, obviously, with all the research and um, medical people at the time being worried about people catching um, COVID in your third trimester mm-hmm. and I did notice that baby wasn't moving as much I did start to worry um, as soon as I tested negative after like I think it was like 10 days of with COVID um, I went straight to the hospital to, for my ultrasound and to check baby which to be fair like if I was really that concerned I could have gone straight to the hospital about but like she was moving it just wasn't as active as she had been um, so yeah I was a little bit worried and at the time I also had some other personal stuff going on so I was really lucky my dad was here um and dad actually came with me just by chance because he was visiting on the Gold Coast he came with me to the ultrasound and they did my blood tests as well and just checked on everything to see how it was going and yeah it just happened so quickly they're pretty much like you we've got to rush you to um you've got to go to emergency I was like why and they're like your blood count or what do they call it there's a word for it um oh my gosh I should have looked into this before I hopped on the potty um <laughs> essentially it's your liver oh your bile acids it's it's an indication of your liver they're called your bile acids my bile acids were like through the roof which was really abnormal um and so that yet yeah, you've got to go to emergency and I was like huh like what's wrong they didn't really honestly they didn't tell me anything they just said like nothing something's not right and then my doctor got a copy of the at the same time of my blood results and rang me just saying can you please go to emergency and get yourself checked out I was like, what, what does that even mean? So we went straight from the ultrasound to emergency and obviously it was in the thick of COVID as well. So the emergency was full of sick people. Um, so I didn't feel comfortable being there, being heavily pregnant either, but mm. it is what it is. Um, and that that experience really knocked me. Just it was, I know this hospital was really overwhelmed, but I sat in emergency for like 14 hours not really with any communication I got to a point where they took my bloods again and my bioluses had it gone up even more and they're like oh your sugar's really low I'm like yeah it's because I haven't eaten for like 10 hours mm. they went and got me food and then literally 20 minutes after I'd eaten a sandwich they were like oh we need to do a ultrasound on your liver when was the last time you ate? I'm like, well, you just gave me food. And like, oh, sorry, you have to, um, what's that word? Be you have fasted. To, yeah, you have to be fasted. So we have to wait another four or five, I think it was like four hours. I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, I've, already been, I've already been here for 10. Anyway, so then um, by this time we had been there, like I think I got there at like 10 o'clock in the morning. This time it was like 
12 o'clock at night and they sent my dad home and I was just still seeing there was not really any answers. Um, and yeah, they admitted me overnight with my phone was dead. There was no communication with anyone. I didn't know what to tell anyone. It was just, yeah, I could go on forever. It was a really bad experience. I got admitted. They still didn't tell me what was going on. I didn't have a toothbrush, didn't have clothes, didn't have a phone. Um, and they put me on fluids that night. Um, so I was really dehydrated and they looked at my pee. Um, and yeah, long story short, I was in there for a, four or five days and they couldn't really explain what was going on. They kept taking my blood every few hours and doing like monitoring and doing my observations and my bilateral just kept going up and up and up in the wrong direction. They couldn't understand or explain what was causing it. Um, and I had all these other symptoms now that I reflect on it, which I thought were just part of pregnancy in my HG. But the fact that my color pee was like a brown color was an indication that my liver wasn't working. Um, I didn't really notice, but the last two days before I went to hospital, I started getting itchy hands and itchy feet, which is like a consistent with a diagnosis of pregnancy cholestasis, which is just nothing. They don't know what causes it, but it's, it's just like this condition that's it's really rare that women get in pregnancy where your liver just stops working. Yeah. Um, so they thought... My sister-in-law had that. Yeah. So they end up saying I had pregnancy cholestasis. That's what they thought it was. Um, and that's what they just said, look, we're going to have to treat you as if you've got that. It doesn't really make sense because most women only get it in like the last few weeks of pregnancy. You've got it pretty early because I think at that point I was 22 weeks pregnant. Um, like it doesn't really make sense. It's this early. Um, but that's what we're going to, we don't know what else to do and we can't just keep you here because yeah, by this time they're like, it, they're not, there's nothing they were doing for me there that I couldn't have done at home. Yeah. Um, and my husband really advocated for me to go home just because I just had a really, there's just really poor communication between all the different departments between like, I just was a, a pin cushion. There's so many blood tests, so many needles, like no communication with me or my family, what was going on. They'd forget about me. They'd forgot they did an ultrasound and they made me fast for like 12 hours, then realized they didn't need to make me fast. I'm like, you don't make someone who's pregnant, who has, who has HG, who is severely dehydrated, not drink water for 12 hours. Mm. Like, so yeah, we went home and the I guess the condition of me going home was that they were, I would continue to get a blood test every week and then putting me on this medication called, I don't know how to pronounce it, it was Ursa or something, which is what you give women who have pregnancy cholestasis because they're going to treat me like that. But something in my gut just told me that it wasn't pregnancy cholestasis. It just didn't make sense because I, I don't have any history of liver disease. My family doesn't have any. My diet's really good. Like I've, I've never had any health issues. Um, but I just kind of accepted it. it's just rare and it just kind of happens in some women. But, um, yes, yeah, so for the next few weeks on the medication, I had to get a blood test every week and my bile acids improved. So we, we thought it was a medication, um, well, they thought it was a medication and I just, I just trusted my intuition. I was just like, look, like if everything's good and everything's back to normal, cause I'm really surprised how quickly like my biolasses were through the roof. They were like, it's crazy how quickly it's fixed itself. Um, and I just said, look, if it's really just the medication, can I stop taking the medication for a week? And if my biolasses go up to the roof again, then we know it's pregnancy cholestasis and I'll go back on the medication. But if they stay the same without the medication, can I please go off it? Like I just didn't feel comfortable being on this medication for the rest of my pregnancy. But um, pregnancy cholestasis is really, it is really, um, dangerous like i yeah. wasn't gonna muck around with it like if it was that i'm happy to stay on the medication because it means that your liver's not if you're not on it 
in liver's not working, your blood doesn't clot essentially. So you have your danger, you're at danger of your hemorrhaging or something happening to bub. So um, I trusted the medic, the, the medical team, but they also were like, yeah, well, we're happy to do that. So I went off the medication for, I took a, did a blood test, went off the medication for a week and did a blood test at the end to see if the medication changed anything. And it didn't like I, my, everything stayed the same without being a medication so we put it down to just there might not be enough research about it but after I shared my story on Instagram had so many other mums actually reach out and say hey like I had some really weird things happen with my liver after I caught COVID as well so I think it might just be um like a like a side effect yeah of COVID COVID. which would make sense because you think it's it, it's just a virus and so when your body is taking out the trash it's your liver it's yeah taking out gets, your toxins it takes out the toxins sort of the, through your liver yeah absolutely so um so how uh, so so you're about 20 probably like 25 weeks then by the time all this had settled down yeah i think i was by the time everything kind of was normal-ish um i think i was 31 weeks 31 or 32 where I finally was like um I got discharged from hospital finally because I so there was like a three or four weeks there after even after that where it was like yeah weekly blood tests um weekly specialist appointments with liver specialists I was engaged with so many different people through the hospital um just obviously being high risk pregnancy because I had HG had placenta previa I had this pregnancy cholestasis and I had COVID <laughs> so um yeah I was on lots of different departments radars which was a little bit overwhelming too and it made the whole pregnancy mentally stressful because mm. I'd have different people ringing me from different departments booking different appointments and because of the stint I did have in hospital and it not being a very good experience I suddenly was really fearful of birthing in the hospital because I just was like if that's the kind of care I'm gonna get what's pregnancy like what's birth actually going to be like it was really poor communication so I had all this yeah fear and anxiety around the hospital system which I hadn't had previously um but I've never been in hospital like that was my first stint ever in hospital so I think it just really tinted or tainted the trust I had in the system yeah um sounds like an awful experience yeah and even like my midwife was like look Lauren like I don't like I promise you this isn't this is what pregnancy is supposed to be like you've just had a really shit run like Mm. So I think, yeah, by the time my, because I was being monitored really closely, I think it was about 33, 32, 33 weeks where, yeah, because of my um, bioluses back to normal and I was off medication, they discharged me from hospital, which was awesome. Um, they did an ultrasound and my my placenta had moved back to a normal healthy spot. So I was no longer had placenta previa and I was no longer vomiting. So I was like, Woohoo! 30, <laughs> 33 weeks and I finally kind of feel like I get to enjoy the end of my pregnancy. Um, and that meant that you were able to have the natural birth that you yeah. planned on having. That's unbelievable. Yeah. And so then I was like, okay, really all that needs to happen now is the mindset piece. Like I felt, and for the first time, it was so crazy, but I was actually the healthiest I'd felt my whole pregnancy. Like I was very big, very fat, but um, I was just so excited. You were not. I was. I was, don't lie. I was massive. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was just so excited. Like, I'll never take for granted drinking water again. Like, I was just so excited that I could drink water, have a big gulp of like just water because I couldn't do that my whole pregnancy and just like quench a thirst and eat food and walk again. So, I really enjoyed the last bit of my pregnancy. Um, but I was really anxious about birth now because of the medical and healthcare system. 
Um, um, and well, before we move on to your birth story, yeah. Um, what did you do in your pregnancy to prepare for birth? Yeah, so I was just surviving. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't really. I had read a few books at the start of my pregnancy when I was walking, listening to podcasts like Positive Birth Stories on the on the podcast Australian Positive Birth. I think it's called. Um, oh no, positive, positive birth stories. I think yeah, positive birth, yeah, yeah, positive birth stories. Yeah, I think I started in the right mindset, and I was listening to that, and I'd read a couple of books just about like holistic health, and and all that went through the window when it went out the window because literally, yeah, the first two it went from like feeling really positive about it, or literally in the first two weeks, to then just being like, I just need to survive. Like I don't care what I eat. I was eating hot chips. I was drinking Coca Cola. I was um, eating burritos every day. My diet went out the window. I couldn't couldn't work out. Like I just, I just went into survival mode. So it wasn't really until I came out the other end at thirty three weeks, being like, I feel like I can breathe again. All right, like it's not too late for me to get back on track and do this how I want to. Like now I know I can have a natural birth because I was pretty much just preempting I was going to have a Caesar because of placenta previa. Yeah. Um, and because of um, pregnancy cholestasis, they told me I wouldn't even be able to go full term. They were going to either induce me or do a Caesar at like 36 or 37 weeks because it's too dangerous to go full term. So I'd kind of just come to the conclusion that I'm not going to have the natural birth. So when I finally, everything got cleared, I was like, oh my gosh, like I can really turn this around. So, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really start preparing until thirty three weeks till I was out the other side, and I felt like me again. And I did. You, I think, had just done your hypnobirthing course. Yeah, um, the belly to birth. Yeah, which was something I'd wanted to do, but I'd written that off. So I was like, there's no point doing it because I'm not going to be able to do anything I want. Um, but which is a lie because even even if if you're going to have a C-section, like you can still do that course and be empowered on how to have a really beautiful um, process, but yeah, so I enrolled in that um, to get my mindset right, to just to be like, feel empowered again. Because I kind of feel like I felt like the system was doing what it wanted to me, pretty much mm. up until that point. I was being told what I could do, how I was going to birth, what was possible. Like I felt like I didn't have any choices, so I needed to feel empowered again. So I, did, I enrolled in the hypnobirthing course because um, I could finally move again and get out of the house. I started going to Cairo again. So I started doing my chiropractic twice a week, um, started walking again, started listening to all the positive birth stories because I know it sounds silly, but when you're in a really negative state and you're just trying to survive, I was sick of hearing people's, like, helpful tips and positive stories. I'm like, don't tell me that you just drank green juices through pregnancy. You can't even <laughs> drink anything. Like, I don't want to – like, I just remember laughing and, and it used to piss me off all these women saying, oh, like, how – how they're just like glowing and they're doing all this healthy stuff. And because I was always such a healthy person, I was like, look, if I could do healthy, I freaking would, right? I'm not choosing this. I'm literally, (laughs) this is all I can stomach right now. I don't need any more guilt. So I like didn't listen to anything really constructive in those, the first two trimesters. That's fair. That's fair I was just dying. Um, But yeah, the hypnobirthing course to help me get back on track, which was amazing. Like if I could give any advice and even my husband said this too, like I would do that 10 times over and recommend anyone who wants to be empowered to do that because that just changed my entire mindset. It's so crazy. We choose, we chose to do it over two weekends. Um, and I felt afterwards my mindset did a total flip. I was excited for birth. I was no longer fearful about it. I felt empowered and didn't care about the system. I was like, I don't care about the system. Like, it's my body. We're going to birth how we want to. I trust my body. 
the professionals can do what I say. I knew my rights. I felt confident to push back if we were being influenced again to do things that I didn't want to do. Mm. And I felt yeah. even more importantly that Dan was on the same page and we both I had someone there who's going to advocate for me. So yeah, well, I should actually mention yeah. while we're on this topic, um, I did mention the belly to birth course in my episode in episode one. It is on the Gold Coast, but if anyone listening who's not on the Gold Coast, you can actually um, go onto their website. I'll link the uh, details in the show notes and you can do an online course through belly to birth as well. Um, I, I highly recommend guys like it was it sounds so cliche and this is even this isn't sponsored at all like it was amazing it was like six hundred dollars but I would pay that over and over again I think that's honestly I attribute our birth to that, that so do I. and MGP the MGP program if it wasn't for those two resources I don't think we would have had what, the birth that we had okay cool so let's let's move on to your birth can you yes. um take us to the very first signs of labor yes well actually before labor so it might be worth touching so actually we done that hypnobirthing course which was so timely because um because i was still although i'd been discharged from the hospital still high risk they still wanted to do a last ultrasound i think it was at 36 weeks or uh, even before that there was a couple of ultrasounds towards the end that they wanted to just to make sure baby was okay because i had such sicknesses throughout and I had such severe vomiting they needed to make sure baby was continuing to put on weight and it came up in those ultrasounds towards the end that I had a big baby Mm. Um, oh the big baby talk the big baby talk yeah and so (laughs) it and it's all their verbiage like you we're going to have to induce you you have a big baby you can't go full term um you can't give birth to a big baby like blah, 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 blah. It's all that language that would have really scared me. But because I'd done that hypnobirthing course, I'd actually been pre-warned about it and that our, we are like, I felt like, no, like I live good. Like my body would not grow a baby that I can't give birth to. So if I hadn't have had that, I would have, I reckon, been manipulated into being induced. Yeah. And there was pressure towards the end, like from them saying like, you need to come in, like you need to do this, like we need to, you need to do this check. So I pushed we pushed back for the last week. Um, they rang me like every day and tried to book me in to be in for an induction. And I was like, no, like I trust my body. Thanks anyway. Thanks anyway. So I think, yeah, if I hadn't have done that course, I definitely probably would have felt the pressure. But because of that course, I felt empowered. So, yeah, that last week I was mindful that apparently we had a big baby, which would have made sense because I was, I'm a pretty, I'm a small girl and I was very large. <laughs> um, and... I was, because I was also mindful that I was going to get more pressure. I didn't want to be induced and I also didn't want to go over, be overdue, which no woman does. You're so uncomfortable in that last week anyway. No. Um, so I was doing all the things to try to induce myself naturally. So I was doing like everything, you name it, like the guy yeah. walking, the freaking, the dates, the raspberry the tea, tea, the, tea. Yeah. the, the sex, because I didn't, no longer had placenta preview. I could have sex again, which is amazing. Um, <laughs> Uh, what else was I doing? Oh, I started doing um, acupuncture. acupuncture. Yeah, in the last few weeks I did that twice a week as well. Um, so I was doing all that. And so I was due on the Sunday of Easter, Easter Sunday. That I can't remember what date that was, the 17th of April. And we all had bets. My 
husband was like, no, you're going. He actually said you're going in on the 19th. Like it was a Tuesday that we're going. It's happening on the 19th. And he wanted it to happen after Easter because he was also scarred from their hospital visit. Mm. He was like, he's like, if you go into hospital over the Easter weekend, we're going to have shit staff. Everyone's going to yeah. be away. He's like, we want all staff on ground. We, <laughs> want, we don't want poor communication. You're going in after. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of like just a waiting game. I'd, but I had fully surrendered by the end. And I was just enjoying it. It felt like a holiday. I was sunbaking every day. I was going for little walks in the morning. I was just – my family was up for Easter, so it was just nice to have my family here. Um, so it was just really relaxing. And it was just really exciting too. As much as I was anxious, I was like, oh, my God, like any day could happen. Like you just don't know. Mm. And I remember being like, what is it going to feel like? What's the contraction going to feel like? And you ask all your friends, like, what, 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 what's happening? Like when will I know? Like what's going to happen? <laughs> um. I think you, I know you, came were, over yeah, you were hammering me. <laughs> I was like, and I kept saying, I'm going to bring over the babies because I was like, the baby oxytocin is going to make me go into labor. Give me yeah. your babies. <laughs> um, and then, so yeah, I was due the Sunday and then the two, oh, the Monday night actually. So it was a Tuesday morning we'd woken up, but late Monday night I'd gone to the toilet in the middle of the night and um, I lost my mucus plug. And I remember being like, oh, but then also being knowing from the course that it could still be weeks. I think you even lost yours like a few weeks before you even gave birth. Oh, yeah, I lost mine quite early, yeah. So I remember you saying that. So I'm like, oh, like, I don't know if this is anything to go by, but we've got movement. Anyway, so I let let Dan sleep and I wake up in the morning in his face. Good sign. So you were were 40 plus one at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. And Dan woke up in the morning. I was like, in his face, like, guess what? He's like, what? I'm like, I lost my mucus plug. He's like. Okay. I was like, today, today could be the day. He's like, yeah, or it could be like the next week. He's like, don't get too excited. I was like, no, it's going to happen today. It's Tuesday. You said Tuesday I'm going into labour. Um, and he's like, well, I'm going to go to work. I was like, okay. So he went to work and then um, I went for a gutter walking that morning with mum and dad went to a cafe and I felt, I don't even know how to explain it. I know everyone says like you, when you're asking other people, you're really curious, but until you're in the position, like now I get what they mean. Like I don't know how to explain what a contraction feels like. Like I just don't. I, it's You You can't. You just no. got to experience it yourself. <laughs> yeah, because I remember asking everyone and they're like, I don't know. And now I'm like, I get it because I felt something. It's not like a cramp. It's like this little, I don't know. I felt something and I was like, I'm going to start timing these. And they're literally every 20 minutes. So I was like, okay. I think these are contractions. Yeah. Um, and then I messaged my midwife and she was like, yeah, it sounds like you could be in early labor. It could be a really long few days though. So just rest up, um, keep me posted. Um, and I was like, okay. So I went to a cafe with mom and dad, did some more gutter walking and they started, yeah, in the morning and probably they were 20 minutes apart and I messaged Dan and I was like, I've got contractions, like, awesome, we'll keep you posted. Should I come home? I was like, no, nah, it's still 20 minutes apart. And then it was like one or two, one o'clock, they had got to seven minutes apart um, in the afternoon. So I messaged him. I was like, okay, they're seven minutes apart. Maybe you should come home now. I don't know how quick this is going to progress. So he came home and then um, I just kind of sat on the medicine ball and I was just breathing through them. Like I'm, it's actually really euph- euphoric, like, coming off the back of them. I was like, ooh, like, I really, I was doing like all the breath work I'd learned and it sounds so stupid, but I was enjoying them. Like, this is fun. Like how mm. naive I was. I literally thought this is what, I was like, oh, this is, this is, this is birth. Like I thought the only thing that was going to happen was they were going to get closer together. I was like, oh, like I can do this. Oh yeah, I'm oh, so Oh, little Lauren. Oh, little naive <laughs> oh, Lauren. Oh, little me. <laughs> and then, um, 
<laughs> Dan got home. I was on the medicine ball and just about not medicine ball. What do you call them? The bouncy ball like, things? I just call it like a birth ball. Yeah, the birth ball. Just breathing through them. And I um, have a little corner in my bedroom which um, has my birth plan on it. And I had like the hypnobirthing tracks, all the birthing affirmations from the hypnobirthing course and all these beautiful affirmations around my mirror. So I like this little zen space to really get in the zone and my fairy light. So it's just really reading that and visualizing my birth plan and had some really relaxing music on it, which is a really nice vibe. Um, and then my mum and dad left about six o'clock that night. And I go, we'll let you and Dan like have your space. Just let us know when you're on your way to hospital and if you need anything. And then, yeah, Dan, and I just, he gave me some tickles and I felt them intensify probably about seven o'clock at night. Um, they, yeah, that got pretty intense. I was like, oh, wow, okay, this is this is a different level. Um, <laughs> and I was like, maybe we should put the TENS machine on. So we put the TENS machine on and let my midwife know. And she's like, okay, like, yeah, you can't come into the hospital, though. They, they need to be like, you need to be having three every 10 minutes. Like, it, so you need, they need to be at least one every three minutes. I was like, okay. So Dan made dinner and we put on a movie and I was not that I watched much of the movie, but it was just a distraction. And I just sat there and breathed through each contraction with the tens machine. Um, and then we came, it was about 10 o'clock at night and they were just, they were just getting so intense, but they weren't getting closer together. I, was, I messaged the midwife again because I was starting to get a little bit anxious because I just wanted to be at the hospital. Like I was really worried about the drive to hospital because we're, 40 minutes away from the hospital and I was really I was thinking how am I going to get through these contractions in the car because the only thing that was really helping was being on the ball so I was like how am I going to sit in this combined spot for 40 minutes and she was like look I don't want you to come all the way here and we send you home if you're not in active labor and you have to do that drive twice like we want you to stay as home as long as possible like so I'm like oh no um so then I tried to hop in the bath, but the bath didn't help with the pain for me. I think it's because you're on your back in the bath when I need to be sitting up. Um, I didn't try the shower. I should have tried the shower, but I didn't think of it. So, yeah, I, we Dan, I told Dan to try to get some sleep and he just laid in the bed next to me and I just, yeah, was labouring probably, I think it was like 11 till 2 a.m. in the morning. And I just said to Dan, like, you need to call the midwife and just say we're coming. Like, I can't, I can't go any further. Like, they're not getting any closer together. They're still like five minutes apart at this point. And I was like, can we just lie and tell her that every three minutes? Like, I just want to go. Like, I can't. It feels like I'm not progressing because I'm anxious. I need to be in my zone. You, I need to be yeah, in the you space. want to be the spot that you were yeah. working at. Yeah, and it's kind of like my body just knew as soon as he called her within five minutes. So we started being three minutes apart. I was like. Thank fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's go. So he packed the car and like I said, I was anxious to be in the car, but I was actually so surprised. I was so in my zone. I just I hopped in the back seat and we put my hypnobirthing track on. I just breathe. And it, I, it's how I explain it. It's such a bad explanation. But I was like, you know when you're like underage and you go into parties and you're like just drunk in the back of a taxi? Yeah. <laughs> I felt like I was so in my zone I was just in and out of consciousness I didn't even remember the drive and Dan said I was so lucky I didn't because it actually we got stuck in roadworks on the M1 so it took us we're in one position he said in the highway for 20 minutes and I didn't even know um so it took us a whole hour to get to the hospital at three o'clock in the morning um oh that's so good though yeah so at least it I'm, wasn't like an awful car ride yeah because I think if I'd known that I would have stressed out more but I 
yeah, I wouldn't have even known how much time had passed. I was so in my zone and just breathing. And then, yeah, got to the hospital. And I think the cool thing, like you said, about the MGP is, like, they already knew your birth plan. They were expecting me. I had that continuity of care. Like, they knew what I wanted. I'd spoken to my midwife throughout the day. Although my midwife wasn't on call that night, I got another midwife part of the MGP who was the same one you had, actually. Yeah, so, yeah, you had Faye too, yeah. Yeah, and so she met us there, and it was beautiful. Like, as soon as we got there, like, it was obviously 3 in the morning, but, like, we had brought her everything, but the room was already set up. already had fairy lights, so it was a diffuser. Um, There was, like, little LED candles already lit. Like, we didn't bring any of that. It was all there, and it felt like... A home but it felt like we just rented a room yeah like it, they she it was just her and another midwife from the hospital um that just sat in the corner and just let us labor like left us alone like it just felt like we'd hired the room and they didn't intervene they just asked they we gave them the birth plan and they just read it and um they said all right well, we'll be here if you need us and yeah i just had um they had one of the birthing balls and i Felt the contractions at the front at the starts and I was just breathing, had the TENS machine on still, so I just used the TENS machine and I was just, like, breathing through them on the ball. And then I felt probably an hour had passed and then I felt the contractions move to my back, so I felt baby moving and turning and just listening to my body. If something told me I need to get down on all fours, so I got off the ball and I was just breathing on all fours. Um I then asked for the gas, though. I was just like, okay, what's the next level of pain relief for me according to my birth plan? Because I was like, I need something else. Like, this is – if oh, I was just laughing. I was like, oh, here I am thinking the contractions I was feeling at home with birth. Like, these are a whole new level. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is not what I experienced at home. <laughs> I was like, holy shit. Um, and, yeah, it was just – it was really intense. It's only what I can say. It's just intense. Yeah. Um. And I had it part of my birth plan. I didn't want a vaginal examination, but I asked for one. So I was like, I just want to know, are we progressing? Like, this is ex- this is intense. I'm going to be mindful of my my words. This is intense. Like, are we moving? Like, are yeah. we, is it, are, am, I, am I in active labor? Like, is this, like, what the hell? Like, I was the same. Uh, I was like, <laughs> I'm three centimeters or something. Go and get the fucking epidural. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And um, so they put me on the table and did an examination. They're like, look, your sex, your six centimeters dilated, but you're fully, how do you say it? Effaced. Effaced. Which is like, so don't let that dishearten you because you can go from zero to, it's not really dilation that caused, like, which was just something I didn't know until you did the class. It's not the dilation. No. It's actually how effaced you are. Um, like your cervix is fully thinned. Like you're ready to go. It could happen anytime now. So you're where you need to be. Trust your body. Listen to your body. Um, so that was assuring, but I had a, um, contraction hit me as I was doing the examination and I have no idea how women birth on their backs because when that contraction hit me on my back, that was like a whole different pain and like I convulsed and vomited everywhere. Um, so Dan got me, Dan was like, quick, get her off the table, get her off the table. So after I did the examination, I was just back on all fours again. Um, and yeah, by that time she was like, do you want me to run the pool? Like, I think we're good like you you kind of like I was progressing that way and I wanted to give birth in the pool um so they started putting running the water in the pool um and I got into that I think so I think we got to hospital at three I think this by time it was 5 a.m so it was two hours of laboring on the ball and using the TENS machine and the gas then we got into the water and (laughs) so textbook this is when I started the transitioning 
Mm. And I'd read about transitioning, so I knew it was when like you're like the last hundred meter sprint, like it's it's like you're, you're the there. The last bit of dilation. Oh, yeah, it's the last bit. You're nearly there, but it's also when women doubt themselves the most and they ask for the pain relief and they, yeah, it's usually just a mind the game. most intense part of labor. Yeah. And I remember that's actually the only thing the midwife had said to me when we got there. She's like, Lauren, I just want you to remember this conversation. You, there'll be a moment in time where you're going to ask me for all different pain relief. There's going to be a moment in time where you doubt yourself. I want you to remember this conversation and I want you to remember that you can do this. I'm like, yeah, I've read all about transition. I get it. I know. Anyway, so when transition was happening, I, I was pretty good up until that point. I was breathing. It was really calm. We had my hypno track playing. And, yeah, I just screamed. It was just one big scream. And I just went, I just, I don't know, can we swear in the podcast? Yeah, we're in Australia. <laughs> I just went, slow ah! <laughs> loud. And I punched the bar. And I remember just pulling Dan to my face. And I was like, I'm not fucking kidding. Go find out my options. I'm done. Cut this baby out of me. I'm done. I'm not joking. And then... So poor Dan, like, I saw Dan go to the corner to the midwife and the midwife came back and she's like, okay, Lauren, what, what would you like us to do? I'm like, I don't know, just like I'm done, I'm finished, can't do it, like get me out of here. And she's like, well, we can give you morphine, but that wasn't part of your plan and you, if you give you morphine, the baby will get morphine. And I was like, no, I don't want morphine. She's like, well, we can get you the epidural, but that could take longer and you're nearly there. And like, I don't know how long that's going to take and you didn't want the epidural and – I was like, fine, and I'm done with that either. She's like, well, fine, Faye. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I can turn up the gas if you like. I can make it maybe give you a little bit more gas. I was like, okay. So, um, yeah, I think, and I think what actually the only thing that really worked and got me out of that mindset was I don't know if it was on purpose. And I, I didn't even feel like I was in the bath for that long, but apparently it's hospital policy that you can't be in the water for more than two hours. Um, and I must have been in the water for two hours. I was been at seven. I got in the water at five a.m. And by this time, it must have been seven a.m. And she said, "Look, Liz, we've got to get you out of the water." Like I'd been, my feet. I couldn't even feel my feet anymore. I was sitting on my feet in this position in the bath pool, like the bath for so long. So you've got to get up and you've got to move around. And I was just like, "I'm not moving." She's like, well, "We have to. You haven't moved. You haven't emptied your bowels. Move your own and get back in the pool." And I think I was worried that if I got out of the pool, I wouldn't be able to get back into the position I was in. Mm. Um, and Dan just said, that's all she had to say. And he's like, he's, he's like, I just saw something tick in you. You're just like, I'm not moving. It's on. And I think it must have been the mindset shift that I needed. And I got out of transition. I just started bearing down. I'm like, no, this is happening. This is happening now. I'm not moving. Um, and I think similar to you, I just, I stopped using the gas. I was like, no, I just chucked the gas away. Cause I couldn't, I think I was so exhausted. I wasn't even using it properly. Cause I wasn't breathing in. I just couldn't even breathe it in. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think once they told me to move and get out of the pool, I was like, I'm not moving. But then I also knew I was kind of on a timer, so I started just bearing down and just, yeah, it became very um, – it just felt tribal, but it was still very calm. It was surprising when I looked back at the midwife. I told her to take some videos and photos throughout, and I'm really grateful she did because she took one of us, well, me, breathing Stevie out, Um and it, it felt chaotic in my head. Like it felt so intense, but I was so surprised watching it back. It was still really calm. Um, and, yeah, just, I, they call it the ring of fire. And I know some people feel it and some people don't, but I definitely felt the ring of fire. <laughs> I just felt my vagina and asshole were going to get torn into one mm. big hole. <laughs> it just felt 
recently, pushing out a really big poo. <laughs> a gigantic um, one. A big one. But um, they said because I, I breathed I breathed her down so slowly, they think that's what prevented me tearing. Because, yeah, I that's pretty much how she came in. I breathed her out and... It didn't really felt like it was that long, but it took her like a good hour of me breathing her out. But it, she ended up being a really big baby. She was 4.3 kilos. Mm. Um, and yeah, I didn't, I didn't tear. So the hospital was right. I did have a big baby. <laughs> <laughs> that you birthed naturally. That I birthed naturally. There's no tearing. And I've watched your birth video and it's absolutely beautiful. It's hypnobirthing goals. It was very, very calm. It was. I was very surprised at myself and just even more so because of just knowing who I am. Like I hate blood, I hate pain, I hate needles. I never thought in a million years I'd be able to have a natural water birth because I just didn't think I was capable of doing that. And, um, yeah, still to this day it sounds so strange to say giving birth to little Stevie is actually the most impressive thing I've ever done. Like I'm so impressed that what our bodies can do, what our mindset can do. Like I was just totally amazed at my even yeah at myself. I was like, I can't believe I did that. Like you did it, you did it, I Mama. Did. I did. <laughs> so when she was out, um, were you moved over to the bed, or did you to to birth your placenta then? Yeah. So they told me to pull her out, and I was like, No, no. <laughs> like, you can hear me in the video, but I can't do it. Like you yeah. have to. Um, so I did. I, I was actually lucky. I got to pull it to my chest, and um, then they pulled the bed, the bed over, and they put me on the bed and put her on my chest, and they helped her, um, helped her latch, and had some breastfeeding and. Um, long story short, essentially, um, there's just a lot of blood. And it was just seeping through the bed, even with all the stuff they had on the bed onto Dan's feet. So Dan was kind of starting to freak out, not knowing what was normal. Um, and they did say, look, there's a lot of blood. What's that injection called that they um, um I'm not you? sure what it's called, but I know it's like oxytocin. Yeah. A lot of oxytocin. Yeah, which I said I didn't want by my Or like my synthetic oxytocin. Yeah. Um, I said I didn't want that part of my birth plan, but essentially what happened is they latched. I gave birth to the placenta on the bed and they were so impressed. They're like, that is one of the biggest placentas we have ever seen. Like, what the hell? <laughs> so I had a big baby and a massive placenta, which is why I was so freaking big. Um, <laughs> but because it was one of the biggest placentas I've ever seen, it also meant I had a really large open wound. Um, and so after I birthed the placenta, the, the blood just wouldn't stop. Um, so I was at risk of hemorrhaging. So they gave me that, um, that injection of oxytocin or whatever, but it's, it helps, um, with the contractions afterwards, which also helps you, your blood clot and helps, um, your walls of you, everything comes back together as well. Um, so I remember it wasn't, was it the shot that to help you deliver the placenta? Was it like a vitamin K uh, shot? No, it wasn't vitamin K. I think it was uh, oxytocin. It was the normal, yeah, yeah, person. Yeah, and it, it just keeps the contractions coming, which helps hope, helps um, your body like to clamp. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. So um, they did that, and then they were pushing on my belly and trying to get all the blood out and the placenta, make sure it was all good. Um, which I think everything was all good, but I was still bleeding a lot, um, and I hadn't emptied my bowels yet. And so they were like, we need to get you, you need to get into the shower. Um, I was like, I just knew 
I was like, oh, no, I don't feel good. Like, I can't. Like, well, if you can't move, we're going to have to put give you the cath- give you a catheter. Um, and I was like, no, no more, nothing. Bowels I'll, I'll or bladder? Both. Both. Um, both, both right. in my bladder because they said that to help um to help your my words aren't working your placenta like to help the wound heal you need to make sure your blood is empty too right um, that helps so they wanted to empty the bladder and i was like i don't feel good i can't get out of bed so like no we'll have to give you a catheter if you can't it's like no 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 okay i'll get up i'll get up <laughs> um like don't poke me and probably with anything else i don't want anything um so I tried to get up and I gave Stevie to dance. He got some skin to skin and I just knew, I said to Dan, I should have trusted my intuition too. I was like, I don't, something doesn't feel right. But um, they put me into the shower or I was in a wheelchair and they put me into the shower and um, I fainted in the shower. Um, and I think it was just, it was a lot of different things. I'm bad with blood as it is. I have a low resting blood pressure. I had lost a lot of blood. Um, I'm freaked out by blood. Um, so I went down and that's the only time there's more people in a hospital room. Like I said, the whole time there was really only our midwife, but when I went down and out, they must've pressed a button and danced like those eight ladies come running in. And that's the last thing I remember is like all these random people around me picking me up out of the shower. Oh God. Um, but yeah, after that, they put me on the bed and I just felt really out of it and really, um, really lightheaded. So they put me on fluids and they, if it wasn't for that, because we had a natural birth with no complications, they would have discharged us within a couple of hours. Yeah. Um, but because I had fainted and I had lost a lot of blood, we stayed they, and they, they kept me monitored and on fluids for a few, I think it was for a few hours. I think we ended up getting discharged by four o'clock that afternoon. We'd given birth 8am that morning. So mm. um, and I felt good after being on fluids and eating some food. I think you're so exhausted after birth and, it's just a lot. It's um, a lot. It's definitely a lot. a lot. Yeah, absolutely. But did you you didn't eat during um your labor, did you? No, no. Yeah. I bought heaps of lollies and stuff thinking I'd want to, but that's a lot. I don't think I opened my eyes. I think most of the labor my eyes were shut anyway. I was just so in my zone. So I didn't mm. even think about food. I was just like, give me water and let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> so when you went home that afternoon, how was your first night at home? Yeah, everything was actually really positive. Um, the first two days were really good. The only thing was I didn't tear, but I had a, a graze on my labia, Yeah. Um, which just meant it's really stung to pee. And I know a lot of people had warned me. They told me to get one of those peri bottles, which I didn't get, which is probably the only regret I have if I I wish I had a peri bottle. You can just but use you, like a pump bottle or a power yeah, bottle or anything uh, that you got at home. I didn't think of that. Um. It's the, so the only thing that that meant was every time I needed to go to the toilet, I had to hop in the shower, which just annoys you because in the middle of the night, you're also breastfeeding and you're I'm hot. every time I needed to wee, I went and had to run a shower. It was just a big ordeal. Mm. Um, and it did sting a lot. I just remember putting, every time I went to the shower, I'd put a face washer in my mouth and I would like bite down the face washer every time I peed because it just stung. But other than that, um, yeah, like it was just bliss the first couple of days. And they do warn you like the newborns are really the first 48 hours. They just sleep and they're just cuddly and they're quiet. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I felt really good. Surprisingly, I was like, wow, like I just, pregnancy does not, my body does not like pregnancy. Like I just felt like myself as soon as she, she was out of my body. I just felt normal. Mm. Um, so yeah, the first two days were awesome. And then my milk came in the third day. <laughs> And I still hadn't actually gone to the toilet and pooed yet. I was too scared. And I kept saying to my midwife, I don't want to. I feel like my intestines are going to fall out my ass. And she's like, they're not going to fall out your ass. You are fine. <laughs> and I was like, fine. 
And the third day, I finally got up the guts to go to the toilet. And so my milk came in. Literally, it all happened within 20 minutes, I think. My milk came in, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go to the toilet. I feel ready to go. And I went upstairs, and I did number two. And as I did it, I literally felt like two massive tennis balls pop out my ass, like these hemorrhoids. (laughs) Sorry for the imagery, guys, but (laughs) it was intense. I was like, what the hell is that? I remember just running out (laughs) and bending over, looking in the mirror. I'm like, what the hell? And I screamed, and my po- I'm so glad my mum was here. Dan is so grateful that my mum was here because he's yeah. like, I don't, I don't know what I would have done with you. <laughs> um, and then my mum come running up the stairs. She's like, what? I'm like, what is this? I just bent over, and mum didn't know to laugh or cry. So mum laughed at me, and then I laughed. But then I just started bawling my eyes out. I think it was just like the hormones. All the, the hormones. <laughs> I was laughing and crying at the same time, being like, when does it stop? Like, I just vomited for nine months straight. I just gave birth. And now I've got this. I've got a freaking baboon butt. Why do I have a baboon butt? Um, <laughs> it, was, it was crazy. But yeah, they just, um, what do you call them? Oh the three, like the three-day blues. Yeah, three days. What are the things on my butt? Um, hemorrhoids. <laughs> hemorrhoids. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, we laughed and cried at that and they were intense. I, I had a little hemorrhoid my pregnancy, but this was a different level. They looked like they were blue and purple and I was horrified and traumatised. Um, but I spoke to my midwife and she's like, it's actually, especially, it's really normal with a nap, like with a vaginal birth, like they usually pop back in within the first couple of days. And she's like, a lot of people don't talk about them, but they're there. I'm like, well, I wish they're more women common. did. They're very, very yeah. common. What did you do? Did you do anything to help them? I'm not yeah. sure. Like, how do you treat them? Yeah. You, so my mum went straight to the um, pharmacy for me and you, there's hemorrhoid cream you can buy and you have Epsom salts. And then I got, um, is it Movic, Movicol? To help Movicol. Soft, to soften your salts. Yeah. And literally, like, I was so traumatised and crying So I'm like, this is bullshit. How, when does this stop happening? Like, I just keep the shit. I just want my body to just be a normal body. Like, us women go through hell and back to get these babies here. Oh, we do. We really go through it, don't we? <laughs> But I was so surprised that in two days they were gone. Oh, um, that's good. So, yeah, like if any other women experience it, don't stress. Like I know everyone's like, oh, it'll be fine. It, it, it honestly is. They pop straight back. they not straight back in. But within two days of that, they were gone. And, yeah, within a week I'd stopped bleeding. Um, I, wore an, I wore a nappy for the first week postpartum. But then I was actually so surprised how quickly and how amazing the woman's body is. Like I felt like myself within a week like I felt healed I was walking um yeah I was just I was totally amazed by the woman's body and what it can do that's amazing babe and so how was how's your breastfeeding journey how did it start and how's it going yeah everything um we were really lucky like I said I think maybe it's karma maybe god was like you know what you had a really shit pregnancy we'll be nice yeah. to you now <laughs> um <laughs> So definitely, I definitely cannot complain. We, um, she latched pretty good. The only thing is, um, I had a bad latch on my left side. Um, for the, it was probably like the first few days of good, and then it just started really hurting on the left side, and I could tell because I'd read enough books, I knew the dangers of a bad latch, and I didn't want to get to a point of it being bleeding and cracked and really struggling. So trying to be um, proactive with that. And I had the midwife come over because they come check on you through the MGP. They come to your house for the first few weeks. So she showed me a few different um, feeding techniques to help with the latch on my left. 
and I tried um, nipple shields for a couple of days, which bought me just a couple of days for my boobs to hit the left one to heal while she corrected her latch. And they really worked for me. They don't, I know they don't work for everyone, but just they bought me two days for my nipple to get better. Um, and then, yeah, with I put a after a few days of using them, I got it back on with a good latch. And I just made sure that I was really um, using the nipple, nipple creams and icing my nipples and everything just to make sure I was really looking after them for the first two weeks. Well, your, your boobs are just getting used to being sucked on really. I don't yeah. think that you can really avoid those first couple of weeks breastfeeding but it was a little bit painful for a little bit on the left side but we were able to get on top of it pretty quickly which I'm really grateful for and now she's a milk monster like she mm. yeah she's a very big baby that's got even is, bigger <laughs> yeah most babies they say lose a bit of weight in the first week and she'd put on like half a kilo in the first week like she's <laughs> only six weeks old and she nearly weighs six kilos like she's a big baby <laughs> what size is she wearing uh, three zeros. Oh, God, that's early for three zeros. Stevie so she's, loves she's, it. She's already in three-month-old clothes. I feel like I never got the newborn. I got I gave birth to a three-month-old. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so so six weeks postpartum, how are yeah. you feeling now? Obviously, you're feeling great after one week. Do you feel? How are you feeling now? Yeah, really, really good. And as I said, I think I'm just really grateful and, um, yeah, I hope – I, don't, I hate when women compare their journeys to others, but if you've had a really shit pregnancy, like maybe there's, you'll have a really good birth. Like yeah. I'm just really, <laughs> oh, there's no other words for it. I'm just really blessed. She's been really good to us. Um, I think a big part of that is also educating herself. Like we did a lot, I had done a lot of reading towards the end of the pregnancy when I was in the better mindset um, on postpartum. So I had read a lot about sleeping and understanding baby's cues and feeding. So I felt really empowered and, there's no right and wrong. I think you've got to be really intuitive with what just works for you and your baby. But Dan and I are pretty routine people. So we actually try to put her in a routine or some kind of routine being intuitive with it straight from the get go. Um, and it's really worked for us. It's really worked for her. Like she sleeps really well. She feeds really well. She's a pretty settled baby. The only thing we've really had issues with, which was a learning curve is just making sure that we um, wind her enough I didn't realize how big winding was because for a week there we weren't winding her enough and she was crying but we, we realized it's just because she had really bad gas and wind so making sure you burp her but other than that um yeah we've just routine has really helped with us and she's sleeping in her own room now um and has for the last week or so and like the last two nights we've had seven eight hours sleep so yeah we're very oh, that's lucky. amazing yeah. How did you find putting her into her own room? Um, I, I didn't want to do it at the start. Like I said, I want her in her room for like at least the first six months. But um, we have that, um, is it Cubi? Cubo. Cubo monitor, which like it's like having them next to you anyway. The only reason we didn't want to have her in our room is because she's such a noisy sleeper. Mm. So even though she's sleeping, even when she's sleeping, she's making such loud noises that you don't sleep through the night. Um, so we thought if we put her in the other room, the monitor, you can see her, hear her, it alerts you, like she's just next door anyway, but it just means that while she's between sleep cycles, we get some sleep, um, and it's worked so much better. Um, yeah. but, but, but I think if I didn't have that monitor, I wouldn't do it because I wouldn't have that peace of mind or feel confident that I'm, I'm watching her. Yeah. That was one of my, that was my number one product recommendation that I put through in my, um, podcast. Yeah. It's yeah, it's such a good, 
um, camera. Yeah. Um, one thing I actually really wanted to ask you. Um, so you obviously you run your own business. You have set you set yourself up to be on maternity leave. I guess it's yeah. for like other mamas who are you know who are business owners. What are you doing there? Are you on maternity leave from your business? Did you get yourself set up beforehand? Um, how did you sort of navigate through that? Yeah. So like I said at the start, like honestly, all babies need is love. So I don't want you to stress out about having to need a certain amount of money if you're listening to this. But I also, even more so now being a mum myself, I would hate to think what mums feel like when you're trying to enjoy this beautiful, sacred, small amount of time and also stressing about finances. So you don't need a lot of money to have a child. But I would hate for you to not to be able to enjoy this time because you're stressing about finances. So if I can give you any advice, do what you need to do to get your finances sorted so you really can enjoy the first few months, whatever your circumstances may be. Um, so for us, yeah, I set myself up in my business and I was very intentional about making sure I had a business model that meant that I could take time off at work and not affect my income. So whether I'm working or not right now, my my income doesn't change. So I've got my business that brings in a certain amount of money. Um, but also as a business owner, you are entitled to maternity leave from the government as well. So I also get maternity leave payments. It just means that my company isn't paying me a wage right now. Um, but I still have that money coming into my company. So it might be something you want to look at if you are a business owner. Yep. So that's a really good point to touch on. So you're obviously paying yourself a salary from your business. So your business is yeah. no longer paying you and then you're entitled from maternity leave from the government. Yeah, exactly. And then if I want to, like just something you can talk to your accountant about, but at the end of my maternity leave, I can then just give myself a bonus from my company and, and get my money back that I was withholding as a wage, if that makes sense. So you can work out how you want to distribute your your finances, but as long as you're not paying yourself away from your company, you're entitled to maternity leave from the government. So just not having that stress there financially has just let me enjoy this space even more so without having to worry about finances or hurrying back to work, which I just think is just a whole, like being a mother is stressful enough. Like no one can really get you ready for it. Like just overwhelming emotions and sleep deprivation and getting used to a new you and grieving an old version of you and, it's a lot. So I, I hate, I, I really feel for women who have another layer of stress when it comes to money on top of it. So do what you need to, to set yourself up. If you can, I just think like give yourself that gift so you can really be present and just enjoy this time because mm. it is really beautiful. Especially now with the massive rise of living costs happening everywhere. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'm going to ask you some questions. So yes. what were your overall costs to birth your baby? Do you remember? The costs involved during your pregnancy uh... and birth? Well, I don't know how much Mexican I ate out when that's all I could eat. <laughs> Funded by Disney and Gomez. Yeah, that. <laughs> um, but in regards to services and stuff, MGP is funded by the government. So that our midwife is free. Obviously, went through public um, hospital systems. So that's free. Really, the only things that we paid for towards the end was the um, the hypnobirthing course with belly to birth, I think it was $600. Yeah. And then really I only, like I said, engaged in services in my last trimester. I was getting chiropractic twice a week, which I think was $90 a week. So maybe I'd say maybe five or $600 in chiropractic. Um, and then acupuncture. 
a couple of times a week in the last few weeks as well, which I think was about 70 bucks a session. So maybe I'd say maybe three K all up for services and stuff towards the end. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and if you could give one piece of advice to a mum about to embark on this journey, what would it be? Know that you have all you need within you to be a mum. Like you don't need anything but love. So don't, I don't want you to stress about anything else, but my advice would be if you can set yourself up financially, um, like just don't be naive and think that it's, it's all going to work out. Like I want you to really think about, okay, well, like what will my days look like? What kind of support do I need? What can you do to make it easier for yourself? Whether it's like a cleaner or it's um, a food service, like it's all those kind of things that like having a little bit of extra money really helped take the pressure off because we don't have family here either. Um, I had my mum and dad come and stay for the first two weeks. But other than that, like my husband went back to his, he has his own company as well. He stayed at home with me for two weeks, but then it's just me 24 seven. So I didn't have the time to clean a house or cook. So I think, yeah, just do what you really work out. What would you like it to look like and what kind of things and services can you maybe pay for that's going to make it easier on you and then crunch out the finances or a budget just so you can really set yourself up to enjoy that space and get the, the, the help that you might need to just take a little bit of pressure off you and make it easier on you. Absolutely. Great advice. Um, and what's your favourite product or your, or purchase that you think was worth the money and you'd recommend? I was actually talking to Hubby about this before. I think my biggest thing or investment that I would recommend would be a hypnobirthing course that both of us swear by it. Yeah. Um, but in regards to a product, the monitor, the Cubo, is that mm-hmm. the I just can't say it right, the Cubo monitor um, just gave us both, gives us both a peace of mind. Um, like we can put it down for a nap, we can be cooking dinner downstairs or putting it in a room next door. And also like one of the um bubba clouds and he's like oh you might have everyone's got different names for them the yeah like a like a, a pillow like lounge yeah. pillow type yeah situation. the baby lounges yeah. yeah they really helped us in the first few weeks she won't sleep in it now <laughs> yeah um but the first few weeks like we use that every single day that and, or a, ba- and a baby carrier i think those are the three main things that just yeah like they have been amazing Man, this is episode three and all three of us have said the Cubo monitor. I'm going to reach out to them and ask them to start paying me soon. Yeah, you should. <laughs> is there anything else that you'd like to add or like to pass on? Um, it's just a wild ride. And yeah. as, as, as much as it can be shit, like trust me, I get it when I say you can. it can be shit. I feel all the feels. <laughs> It also sounds so cliche, but it's so worth it. Like if you're in the thick of it, if you're having a really shitty pregnancy or maybe you have a really shit birth, like there's so many emotions that go into all of it and just know that it's beautiful, whatever your journey may be, and it's, yeah, it's so worth it. And surrender to whatever it may be. Like you can only control what you can, so get empowered where you can, read where you can, listen to the podcast where you can, but just know you can only do what you can do. Like if you're like me and like I was, I had the best intentions, but I could not eat healthy. Like I was just like, I'll eat whatever I can stomach. Like just do the best you can do and just know that that's enough. Beautiful. Thanks so much, Lozzie. We will wrap that up there. It was lovely to get to know you. Thanks so much for coming on the show. 
you're welcome and any ladies listening to this i hope that served you as well sending you lots of love and thanks for having me what a roller coaster ride Lauren's journey into motherhood was, and how amazing that she got to have the water birth of her dreams after such a hectic and high risk pregnancy. I'll tag Laws's details in the show notes and over on our Instagram at Maiden to Mother Experience, and I'll also share the information on her book. That's all for this week. We'll see you next time on the show. Remember, Mama, you're everything that your baby needs, and you're doing an amazing job. Mm-hmm.